Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we are vibing with the book at least 10 minutes at a time. The next 10 minutes, we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. And today we are joined by a special guest. We have... <laughs> El Turista Campesino, Eduardo Cornejo. Hello. Look at him. If you're only listening to the podcast version, one, we love you guys, and we're glad that you make this a part of your daily commute or whatever the case is. But do us a favor. Go over to the YouTube because there's something that you want to see. You you know what El Turista Campesino means? Tourist, camping tourist. I don't know what the second word is. It's it's like the tourist farm worker. Yeah. Oh, uh, like the, sure. the tourist field workers. Sure. Yeah. Right? So there was a decision that was made here, Eddie, in wearing this hat on purpose. On, on purpose. <laughs> this there, this was this was not an accident. This was thought through. It, it was, was thought through. <laughs> well, yeah. Tell us about and it. And I made the, this choice. Well, either way, it was gonna look stupid with the hat on or without it. So. We, uh, you weren't planning on being uh, one of the guests of the move recently. Oh, there it is. <laughs> So uh, we just kind of brought you in last minute and said, hey, come join us. This will be fun. And you were not prepared. I was not prepared. And his hair was all over the place. So he was like, oh, this let is, me cover my head. This is one of those moments where it's like scripture says, be ready always to yeah. give an answer. It's like you were not ready, my oh, brother. Oh, baby, I got responses. Oh, look, 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 look. His, his, his scripture is ready. ready. <laughs> look at that. His scripture is ready. When I was growing up in the conservative circle that I was, there was a line that my friends and I would quote over each other from the evangelist Peter Gregory. And he would say, the Bible is not a coloring book. <laughs> His point was, you shouldn't have to rely on markings of your Bible to be able to defend your 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 whatever worldview or whatever the case was. And so it was kind of just one of those things that we'd always see. But your Bible looks like a coloring book. And it, from what it seems like, Hebrews chapter 10 is a really good chapter. There's a lot there that you're underlining. And so I'm curious if you can give us an introduction. Like why so Like I mean, I'm guessing not every page. Of, yeah, not every page of the Bible. Lots of pages of your of your Bible look like this, but not all of them. But Hebrews 10 seems to be an important chapter. Man, I think that uh, 
the one thing that he was amateur hour over here. You got to talk on the mic. You got to talk into the mic. Like you've never had a microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, rip their ears. (laughs) I think the important thing about Hebrews uh, 10, uh, at least the highlight for me, is the the once and for all. Once and for all. Yeah. You know? The uh, verse 10. And the, um, yeah. And in, in the in the sufficiency of his sacrifice yeah. over my life. Yeah, okay. So here's what verse 10 says. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Two things stand out to me for on that, the point that you just said, once for all. Like, that's kind of cool. You're saying it's done. You're saying I don't got to worry about it. And the other one, the language that it uses is sanctified. Because I was always told sanctification is the work of a lifetime. Because that's what... Uh, we popularize this theology. I would want to affirm that language, but I want to contextualize it. Okay. That sanctification is worked out hmm. through a lifetime because it's actually a life lived in being holy. So right? sanctification is worked out, not worked towards. Yeah. Right. You, for instance, um, right now, Eddie's here in the house and his two children are here. His you may hear them here. eventually in the background. Yeah, we might hear them. Um, and when I look at Eddie's children, they're they're a spitting image of mom and dad, mm-hmm. right? And it's crazy because his oldest, Micah, is man, he is shooting up. He's getting so tall. He's only six years old. He's like six feet tall already. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> He's a tall boy, right? He's a tall boy. But there's been no time in Micah's life where he hasn't been a cornejo growing mm-hmm. up in his cornejones, mm-hmm. right? That's sanctification. Sanctification is the growing up in the sanctification that you already have. Mm -hmm. So you have been sanctified because you have been made holy, because you have been set apart, because you have been brought from death to life, because you were once dead in your transgressions. But by grace, through faith, God saved you. He gave you life in Christ Jesus. And now that you have life, you are separated as a holy thing because he has separated you and now in that you grow up into him because you've actually been grafted into the life-giving vine the life-giving branch so sanctification is the drawing of life from the vine it is the growing up into the identity that is already yours it is a little child growing up into the fullness of their standing as son or daughter it is not something that you work towards micah does not work towards being a son and at 18 we're going to do some investigation as to whether or not he has actually accomplished all of the things that he needs to accomplish to be a cornejo no He's a cornejo the day he's born. He's a cornejo the day he dies. He has the privilege of maturing into it. That's Mm -hmm. what sanctification is. Theologically, this Mm -hmm. thing of sanctification is growing up into it. Biblically, you are sanctified. I mean, it Mm -hmm. seems pretty clear right there. You've been sanctified once and for all. Do you know why you're sanctified? Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter Mm -hmm. 10. Let's work through it. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, Instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. It's using some language that makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah, so you can't be made whole. You can't be redeemed. You can't be restored. You can't be brought from death to life through the blood of bulls and goats. Hmm. This is the point. The daily sacrifices, the yearly sacrifices, do nothing to actually accomplish what they're pointing to towards hmm. man and this is the thing for me because we hear often like because 
that could be that this definitely is interpreted as like, yeah, but you're obeying and you're bringing and you're doing and you're sacrificing. Doesn't that bring anything to the equation? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yikes. Right? What it brings to the equation is that you actually believe that you can't bring anything to the equation. Right? This is the paradox of it, is that when God makes this covenant with the people by way of a promise, he asks them to bring that which he's already given. Hmm. And this is a call back to Abel and Cain. Yeah, the lamb that's been provided. That's right. Abel brings the lamb that has been provided the way that God says he ought to provide it because that lamb being provided is actually indicating the provision of God. Hmm. Cain, in turn, wants to offer a little bit of what he's done. Hmm. And his sacrifice is not looked upon. Abel's is. Hmm. What are some of the ways that we, because we don't participate in, and this is not just post-freedom, this is before as well, we, we don't participate in the rituals and the sacrifices and all of these things. And so when, 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 when Paul is saying this thing of like, ah, oh, listen, these things can never actually accomplish what you're hoping. We're like, well, duh, that's why I don't do it in the first place. But we don't realize that maybe for many, many, many years in our life, we actually were participating in cycles where we thought we were bringing something to the table. Sure. I mean, you tell me you didn't make your Bible a coloring book, <laughs> right? Sure. These are, those are very frustrating phrases sure. that well-meaning people use yep. under the deception of legalism. Uh, I, mm. That. When I hear phrases like that, it growls me up. Oh, your Bible's not a color. Sit down. Yeah. If somebody uses markers to lead them through an understanding, sit down. Yeah. Like just because somebody doesn't have the mental capacity that you might have to have it all memorized in your head and be able to go from this place to that point does not nullify what somebody's doing. But we raise that mm. as some sort of um marker of holiness or attainment. Because you can now draw on all of your memorized scriptures while this person actually needs a little bit of a guide to help mm -hmm. them through. Mm -hmm. Right. So then my it's not even a conviction. Right. It could be a conviction. But my misguided stipulation becomes your obligation. Mm. That's legalism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we might not have have had the blood of bulls and goats. But in our faith community, we certainly have extra biblical obligations yeah. or sometimes obligations that come from Scripture that may or may not apply. Right. And we elevate them to the point of necessary things for you to receive. Right. That's a merit-based theology. Did you, did you ever find yourself in this cycle, Eddie? Was, was there, maybe it wasn't the coloring, clearly it wasn't the coloring book thing, but did oh, you have man. something yourself? One that, yeah, for sure. But one that, that, that is very recent in my mind, as we were traveling, we, we attended this church and uh, my boys was just uh, in the pews and they left a little trash in the back. Uh, afterwards and one of the little girls um, she's like hey do not litter the, the sanctuary of the Lord right already with that language <laughs> this and, is a little girl thing yeah. so it wasn't an elder no, uh, no. auntie of the church okay yeah yeah, it's it, how old is it? Like five, six years old? Yeah, don't litter in the sanctuary of the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I could imagine a little Justin Poo saying that, right? And his, <laughs> yeah. and his Cole Porter get up, hundred percent, six years old. I have several friends yeah. in whom where they they will tell their first stories of meeting me was me in worship or in class or in like church, turning around and shushing them. Yeah, 
I was like, oh my God. And it happened with at least half a dozen of my friends. Like that was our first memory of me. I'm yeah. like, dang, I must have not been fun to hang around yeah, with. Yeah. So this little girl is telling that to to Micah. And my wife kind of turns around and kindly tells the little girl, um, as much as this is the sanctuary of the Lord, like it is your heart that is the sanctuary of the Lord. So it matters more than your heart is is good then, you know, there's a place where we sure. take care of our trash and all of that. But it, going back to that idea of the legalism mindset that indoctrinates mm. and teaches on things that are like. They're not sufficient. What? Yeah. They can be instructive, you right? Can, you can have a really clean church building. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that lives will be transformed. Yeah. It? They can be instructive in a way, but they have limitations, right? Like, again, let me go back to this phrase just because it's useful. Like your Bible's not a coloring book. I. There is a place where if you think that marking and writing in the Bible and then going back and looking at it and seeing super marked, that that somehow qualifies you. Sure. Like, your Bible's not a coloring book, right? Yeah, I can yeah, understand yeah, it in yeah, that yeah. way. But if then in the other way, it's like, don't do it because you should have it in your brain. Like, on both sides, it then becomes some sort of marker or obligation that then demonstrates your fitness or faithfulness. And you know what that's doing? That's trying to, you know, if you're not, if you're not using this as a coloring book then you feel good about yourself in relationship to scripture. Or if you are using it as a coloring book. But, but, but here's the thing. Like, why are you doing that? Perhaps you're trying to compensate for other things that are bringing guilt and shame mm-hmm. in, in some aspects oh, of your life. 100%. I right? mean, that, that was, at least that's where I was <laughs> as I was interacting with this piece of wisdom. Which is interesting. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 it's just like, because I didn't color my Bible and because yeah. I had it all locked in away in my yeah. mind, Clearly, that said something about me as though that I was somehow distinct from, oh, you poor peons over here who have yeah. to rely on coloring their Bible in order to understand anything. And I was like, it made me feel some sort of way. But the reality of it all was, even though that I was doing all the things and I wasn't coloring the Bible, and I was doing all, whatever, whatever the other stipulations that we might have. The reality was it couldn't actually make me clean. It yeah. couldn't actually result in a clear conscience. It still even with all that, I still lived condemned. Because if it could, then it would have. Verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. Yep. So if these things were actually effective to take away sin and to actually remedy the problem, then they would have. But they didn't. And how do we know that they did it? That they, they were continually offered, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They were continually offered. So in them being continually offered, there is a reminder of sins, verse 3. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, right? And so this is, the, this is what Paul, I think in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, the shepherd of Hebrews, the pastor of Hebrews is getting to that, listen, y'all, in this portion like Hebrews 6 through 10, right? Any return to a Judaism that highlights the sacrifices of the sanctuary, that highlights practices and things that we do in order to merit and or things that we do in order to demonstrate some sort of faithfulness until God brings Messiah is to nullify what he's already done. Mm -hmm. And what he has done, he has dealt with sin. Mm-hmm. This is what the sanctuary was pointing to. My dear Hebrews, don't give up faith or hope in Messiah as you see the world and trials and tribulations amongst you. Know that because Jesus died, 
ascended and this message was actually validated through the powerful working of the Holy Spirit, the promise of Israel has come. The consolation of Israel has come and everything that our system couldn't do for us, he has done for us. Mm -hmm. And then the the fascinating thing, uh, this is probably the thing that I love most about this chapter and is these next few verses, uh, verse Mm. five. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. That's wild to Mm. me. That as Jesus is understanding the sanctuary service Mm. and what's going on, is that he sees, hold on. Mm. Could you imagine him at 12 years of age? registering all yeah. this stuff he's seeing like, the sacrifices yeah. he's in the temple and he's like this, this is, is not working this isn't about well like this isn't about what they think the system it is. itself yeah the system itself is not what about what you guys think it is yeah it's not about you guys repeatedly doing something to remain in some sort of good standing with your god mm. if that's what you made it mm-hmm. like even worse this is certainly not about the market perversion that you've made it <laughs> right this Yikes. is not about you do your part, he does his part. Like, this is not it. Curses and blessings. What it's actually about is about how God has offered and will offer himself in the form of a sacrifice in order to bring an end to sin. And Jesus, 12 years old, like, I'm, realizing that it's him i'm that sacrifice <laughs> it's kind of wild. Right? i'm that body yeah right and so to know that in verse six and burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure like that's not really where the pleasure is and jesus actually responds and says behold i have come to do your will of god as it is written of me in the scroll of the book hmm. and that jesus himself finds his mission as revealed in scripture and as, as, as revealed in the sanctuary and validated in scripture mm-hmm. and then yields himself to that in mission, grows in wisdom and truth and greater revelation and actually accomplishes it for us by going to the cross, right? And one of the dope things for me about this passage is verse seven, where he does the will of God because it's written in the book. Yeah. And so he Come believes on. what the book says and lives his life according to it. Come on. Right? Isn't that worth noting? Like, Oof. I mean, I I have a color right here. Everything that is on red, <laughs> it's the heart of God. And it's right here, verse 7. I have come to do your will of God. And man, that I want that same disposition, that same prayer on my lips every single day. Mm-hmm. I have I'm I'm waking up to do your will of God. Right? Just makes such a difference. Look at uh, verse 8 and 9. When he said, you've neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the, to, the law. to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. And this is what we were talking about in previous, uh, in previous episodes, is that he does away with the first in order to establish the second so that by dying in the first, he does away with it. Like mm-hmm. it comes to its end, mm-hmm. right? And then he establishes the second. But the second can only be established because of the first, mm-hmm. yeah? So the result of this entire thing is now verse 10 where we started. And by that will, we have been sanctified to the offering of the body of Jesus Christ 
once for all. Yeah, yeah. And it's so important to understand that Jesus is the firstborn of creation, the firstborn of the dead, so that what's true about him is what's true about all those in him, Mm -hmm. right? And that what's true about him is what's offered to all of humanity, right? So that he has saved humanity in his person, and that's why he is the savior of all mankind, but especially to those who believe. And to those who believe, they are grafted in and included in his very life through the Holy Spirit, so that in this mystical union, right, we participate in the body of Jesus, Mm. right? Because we are then his body on earth. And so that participation in the body is a resurrected body. It is a body who has conquered the death of the first covenant. It is a body that has established the second covenant because in his very person, he's united. And that then we have the privilege of living in this reality because of everything that he has brought so Hebrews 10 is a call like I mean there's so much more in Hebrews 10 but it's a call to look at this body that offered itself and is now resurrected that's our surety that's our security not merely the buildings that were here on earth 